You know all those political cartoons after 9-11 with Spider-Man and Superman talking to firefighters? You're my hero. And then the firefighters talking to one of the middle school teacher and saying, you're my hero. And the middle school teacher's talking to a janitor saying, you're my hero. <laughs> and the janitor's talking to me. And I'm his hero. And after he's done chastising <laughs> Ryland, he turns around to Carly Rae Jepsen and says, you're my hero. And she looks up to Spider-Man. <laughs> So this is going to be pretty challenging. Okay, let's get you ready for your wedding. My job to give 100%. It's important for us to pause for a moment. Okay. Life pile. This is Life Pile Podcast, the only podcast that bleaches in the desert sun. I'm lifestylist and lifestyle expert Camden Johnson. I have a bone in my pocket, and I'm happy to see you. My name's Dylan Bragasa. What starts with bone and ends with R, Ryland, it's here. What's up, guys? Hi. Life Pile Podcast is the podcast for skeletons inside of flesh bags who don't let facts get in between them and the lifestyle section every week we review lifestyles for you life pile podcast this is the one-way ticket to bone town podcast this week we're reviewing lifestyles in the most important section of life which is the bone section that's right this is our life pile special on skeletons or should i say scary tons because they can be scoopy and spooky scoopy. <laughs> uh, uh, before we review these bony lifestyles we're gonna give you some live on the air lifestyling which you can access yourself by giving a call to 720-663-8163 or sending an email to lifepileshow at gmail.com you can also always hit us up on social media to get some free on-air lifestyling but before we get lifestyling we may have some corrections to do do we have any corrections y'all not me i did say i wanted to see cinderella go down on gaston that's not true i want to see stitch go down on Pumbaa. that's my only correction that is a good correction <laughs> thank you hey ryland from the community i just want to say thank you for correcting that thank you <laughs> why don't we get into some Live, on-air, lifestyling. We have an intern who continues to remain alive. Gabe, how are you doing today? Hey, buddy boys. It is our me, Gabe. We've got a piping hot voicemail coming down the burn line. Hit me. <laughs> hey, ghoul friends. A uh, few years ago, I had a tooth abscess. Um, the only thing they could do for me was remove the molar. I had a oral surgeon convince me that the best thing to do was to get an implant. In order to get an implant, you have to have X millimeters of bones above or below your teeth in order for the anchor to sit, for the tooth to go on, the fake tooth. So I didn't have enough bone. So what we did was a sinus lift. So they go in, push your sinuses up, uh, and a bone graft. So uh, the doctor retrieved some grounded up human bone from a deceased donor and put it inside the new space he made between my gums and my sinus cavity. From there, the, the procedure failed and I had a communication between my 
sinus cavity and my gums, and all of the donated bone for the bone graft fell out <gasps> of this new sinus cavity and into my mouth. Uh, oh. um, and I ended up eating uh. just about all of the bone graft that oh. was given to me. So I think technically um, that does indeed make me a cannibal. Uh, side story, the doctor's last name was Ryan, and this is just um, another lesson I've learned of why you should never trust people with two first names. Thanks. Bye. This is so goofy spooky, and I do want to point out that, listeners, you may recognize this voice. That is because this is the same person who called in for our fast food episode saying that he ate a hepatitis sandwich and got hepatitis, I think is what we all agreed <laughs> happened, no, right, guys? <laughs> we are doctors, and that no. is the prescription. So this is, I think, the, the world's most interesting person, and <laughs> I guess I just want to say, like, welcome to the show. You're like a fixture mm-hmm. now what do they say friend of the show he, he, should we call him the eater because like he's always eating stuff last time it was human feces this time it's bones eater. So. mr eater skeeter <gasps> the eater skeeter mr eater the eater <laughs> mystery eater mr eater the mystery eater <laughs> dylan you ever go cannibal no, I do like to bite. I went through a phase where I was like teething, but I was also like 22. And oh. to like express affection, I just like I had like an oral fixation and I like oh. to just like chew on people, which is just like such a horse girl, like weird kid in middle school <laughs> thing to do. And I've gotten over it. Horse Luckily. girl. Horse girls love to bite people, too. I thought they just drew their horses. I've expanded horse girl for me personally. It's not just about the horses. It is an energy that you like move through life with. Yeah. Like a like a ugh, energy. And I've embodied that on multiple points in my life. Did you see that news story recently about that group of horse girls that ran off the cliff together? I guess they were <laughs> frightened by something. It was so no. sad. Rip horse girls. Skeeter, I'm really worried for your face because if bone fell out of the sinus part of your face, does that mean you have like a two-face kind of Batman villain thing going on where like maybe one half isn't there? Or do you guys remember that scene in James Bond where Javier Bardem takes out his retainer yeah. and all- with it comes out like half of his yeah. face. That's what I feel like happened to you, Skeeter. Yeah. And I am worried. I mean, like, I know this is just medical practice as per usual. I mean, my dad just had something like this happen, too. I don't think it fell into what? his mouth as disgustingly mean? as this. What do you he, fucking he needed- mean? He had something like this happen to him as well. <laughs> No, not not this story, but he needed a bone graft again uh, for his again? teeth the same okay. way. <laughs> okay, so he, I'm just sorry. like this I'm, guy it's, did. I, it's just news to me. It makes sense. It's just bone graft for teeth is news to me. So it's really weird for me to be like, yo, my dad ate some bones recently, too, because his teeth were bad. So I'm adjusting and I apologize. Yeah, no, like, because they need uh, enough bone there to put the screw up into. So you'll have to get, if you don't have the bone, they got to give you bone. And so my dad, just like this guy. I'm sorry, (laughs) I'm a doctor. As a doctor, it's my medical opinion. It's my medical opinion (laughs) that I need to give you bone. (laughs) 
but they take other people's bones and put it in your body and just hope. They just hope that your body is like, oh yeah, I, I like this. I'm going to make this my bone now. This was somebody else's and I'm going to take it. Bone is like organs, tissue, blood. Like your body can reject bone. I thought bone was bone as bone, but no. Here's the thing. You heard about the bonus Jonas? Well, bones are their own bonus because bones are actually also <laughs> the thing that creates red blood cells. They're a factory for the body. They're, they're doing more mm-hmm. than just being your framework. They're also producing stuff for your very existence. That it all sounds great, Cam. Why did you assume I know who Bonus Jonas is? <laughs> Who's that? See, that's on me. I assumed that you got into the Jonas Brothers. Uh, Here's what I know about the Jonas Brothers. There were the Jonas Brothers, and there was a Bonus Jonas. This has now concluded. <laughs> Everything Cam knows about the Jonas Brothers. Okay, I want to do a whole episode on that later. <laughs> well, but. but we already just did it because that was literally everything I know about the Jonas Brothers. Well, it's a research podcast. We're going to research everything mm-hmm. there is to know about the secret fourth Jonas Brother named Duber. Bonus, bonus Jonas. Oh, bonus. <laughs> the idea that doctors are still like, hey, we're going to put something in you and just hope that it works. Like, honestly. Obviously, that's we do that all the time, but that's like the extent of our medical knowledge still that we're going to put dead people's bones in you and just hope that works. Like, it's so crazy to me. Yeah, it's very like turn of the century, like steampunk. Yes. And then rub some cocaine on it and see if you feel better. <laughs> yes. And then it falls into your mouth and you have people's bones in your mouth. Ugh, like dead people. Ugh. I wonder if it happened while Skeeter was eating the hepatitis burger. <laughs> <laughs> Hepatitis and people <sighs> burger. Skeeter, I'll keep your secret. I won't tell anyone that you're a cannibal because I don't want you to go to prison and I want you to keep sending in these incredible stories because I can't get enough of them. Tell me what you ate that was wild next week. <laughs> what do you guys think about the two first names? Can you trust people with two first names if they're made out of bones? Here's the problem with two first names is anytime anybody tells you two first names, it sounds like they're making something up on the spot. Like, Ryland, ask me what my name is. Hey, Cam, what is your name? Oh, my name is Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. My name is Jack Ryan. <laughs> You sound like a politician <laughs> from Tennessee who's about to take some rights away from me. Yeah, no, most politicians <laughs> get into the politics game because they've just committed a murder and they stumble across a podium and somebody asks them a question like, hey, who are you? And they say, I'm Steve Carls and I stand for what's good in America. And now they have a Senate seat and they're like, ah. Okay, I guess I'll just roll with this. That did remind me of my favorite two-named first-person person, Steve Harvey. Harvey's oh. a first name, Steve's a first name, and he's, I mean, he sucks, but I like him. I trust Steve Harvey with my life. Whoa. He makes those funny faces when people do <laughs> dirty stuff on the TV. He's he's born with a funny face. I mean, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. Right. Isn't that beautiful? You can make a career off that. Dylan, have you watched the YouTube super clip of all the reasons Steve Harvey is the kind of person you do this tone of voice when you're <laughs> no, talking about no. Steve no, I'm going to send you this YouTube link. Okay. And next time you say Steve Harvey, you're going to go with Steve Harvey. Uh, all right, know. listeners, don't at me. Cam is going to educate me, and <laughs> I'll come back next week with a correction about me saying this sentence. <laughs> <laughs>
Now, how do we feel about people that have state names? I am mildly interested in naming my child mm. Nebraska. Here's the problem with giving your child any location as a name. Every person who ever meets that child, they're going to be like, so Nebraska, Bergrassa. And then all those kids are going to think, oh, so Bergrassa fucked in Nebraska. Hmm. If you give a person a location name, the first thought is... Oh, so that's where the fucking happened? You are named after the location of the fucking, and now I am thinking about that location and the fucking that happened inside of it. I didn't realize that was the rule, Cam. Okay, I'm going to have to go ahead and change my child's name to Culver City. It's not... See, (laughs) no, but that's the thing is it's not the rule because you can name your kid Paris and never go to Paris in your whole life, and when I meet Paris, I'm going to say, did he fuck in Paris? I didn't know he went to Paris, but he's apparently naming his kid that because he fucked in there. Mm -hmm. So it could also be like an aspirational... Or like braggy thing to be like, my child's name is Forbidden City. Yeah, I'm well traveled. Mm, the city of gold <laughs> is the name of my child. Eldorado, you get back in the car. <laughs> Here's my daughter Jupiter and her brother Pluto. <laughs> in review, Skeeter, I would say there are things that you skimp on, like plastic cups for your house, or maybe Kleenex. And then there are things you got to shell out for, like plastic surgery and and bone implants. So next time, I'd just explore your options a little bit more before grabbing the bargain bin dead people bone implants off the right. clearance rack that Target puts by the cash registers. See, I gotta agree, disagree with Dylan here. Ryland, Dylan, Dylan Ryland. One day you'll figure out who you're doing this show with. <laughs> my whole childhood, my name was Irving because my parents would go, Paul, Ted, Phil, Kelly, Irving, just do this thing already. <laughs> So uh, that's the name I relate to the most. But you have lived the perfect life because you have eaten man flesh, but it doesn't sound like you have a taste for man flesh. When you look at people, you're not thinking, my goody Joe, you're really tasty. You're thinking, oh, I had an extra nasal cavity and it fed me dead people meat and you're disgusted. You're in a really great position here to live out a happy life. I say live it. Keep on living, bud. It's a staunch leave it from me. I hated this story start to finish. Yeah, there's nothing worse than like you're just walking along and then something fills your mouth and you weren't expecting it. (laughs) I'm going to have to say leave it. All right, y'all. This week for our special lifestyling podcast on bones, I was going to do a whole segment about drinking milk and getting enough calcium. But then I decided that if we're going to live bone lifestyles, why don't we fucking live bone lifestyles? So I'm going to give you guys a little taste of a lifestyle that you will not be able to resist. Much like the Godfather makes a deal that you can't say no to, this guy makes a deal that you can't say no to. So I'm going to present a lifestyle to y'all. You will find it irresistible. And then I'm going to take you through some of the steps of how to live that lifestyle. Now, the object of the opener of this discussion that you guys will all clamor for and love is called the Capella dos Osos. 
in English, it's the Chapel of Bones. It's one of the best-known monuments. This is all straight out of Wikipedia. One of the best-known monuments in Evora, Portugal. It is a small interior chapel located next to the entrance of the Church of St. Francis. The chapel gets its name because the interior walls are covered and decorated with human skulls and bones. Mm. That's right. This chapel is built out of the bones of 5,000 monks who passed before, hopefully. The Capella dos Osos was built in the 16th century by a Franciscan monk who, in the counter-reformation spirit of that era, wanted to prod his fellow brothers into contemplation and transmit the message of life being transitory, a very common spirituality theme summed up in the motto, Memento Mori. This is clearly shown Mm -hmm. in the famous warning at the entrance, Nos osos que aquí estamos palasavasas esperamos. We bones that here are for yours await. So this is the first (laughs) half of my lifestyling segment is I am convinced that you guys will all feel the same way that this Franciscan monk felt, which is that I need to fill the insides of my house with bones. Church is God's house. I want to have the best house ever. That's got to be a bone house, right? So I think it's a pretty obvious live it, live it, live it from all three of you living inside of a bone house, right? I don't even have to ask, right? No. No. I'm looking at these photos of Bone Church, and it's disgusting. There's no other way to put it. I really don't have any other words. There are, like, femurs, tibias, everything. The the walls are just caked in any and all kinds of bones, and I hate it. Isn't there a thing that you have to, like, be buried or something? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's called a funeral. No, see, you do you do get that. You do have to be buried and that does happen. Although we tend to think of a funeral plot as being a thing you own. But when you're living in high-density population areas, a funeral spot is more something you rent like for prom where it's like like kind of you you go to high school, you have prom, you rent a tux and a limousine, and then there's 40 to 90 years in between. And then you go to your second prom, which is death, and you rent a funeral plot. And then if you live in an old school France, after you've been like in your grave plot for a while and people have gotten bored of coming and visiting at you a couple decades later, they're like, well, there's only so many spots for graves. So... You don't have to pay rent on this grave plot anymore. And we're going to bury up your bones and put them in the motherfucking Paris, what's it called? Catacombs. That's like the practice with bodies in older times. You have a funeral plot for a while. And then once you've decayed and no one's coming to visit you anymore, we take all of your bones and put them in catacombs because there's literally not enough space for bones to have houses. However, looking at this chapel made of bones... It occurs to me that prior to like 1950, 1960, we didn't have really the idea of a serial killer. (laughs) And if you wanted to be a serial killer, like Jeffrey Dahmer lived in a house full of bones. And uh, what's his face? The guy who made a belt out of nipples out in Wisconsin. Ryland. He lived in a house. Right, Ryland. He lived in a house (laughs) made out of bones. It's a great cover to say... 
oh no this is all a religious thing and yeah and those are all monk's bones right and you're like yeah no i didn't murder any 15 year old girls in the town and then put their bones in these walls yuck so i know you guys are all saying live it live it live it to this bone <laughs> house lifestyles right which is why i'm taking us to jakes-bones.com that's right it's jakesbones.com jake is apparently a very cute 12 year old white boy who loves bones and he has given us a very handy chart on the different methods of cleaning bones that's right if you want to have a house full of bones if one of the skulls is half full of brains it's going to attract cockroaches and snakes and you know all kinds of bad stuff you want to make sure you've cleaned these bones before you're making them the interior decorating of your house so i'm going to quiz you guys on the (laughs) best methods for cleaning your bones all right okay okay all right All right, so I'm going to give you guys one of the preferred methods for bone cleaning, and then I'm going to give you one of the um, conditions you might receive these bones in, and you're going to have to tell me whether it is the right bone cleaning method or not. All right, so I'll give you a, a bone cleaning method and then a bone state, and then you tell me if it's a good fit or not. So our very first one is dermis dead beetles that's right many bone cleaners and collectors also are pet owners of these sweet little dermis dead beetles who are well known for being very capable source when it comes to eating flesh off of bones so let's say you have a fresh dead body of a monk not a 15 year old girl from town and you want to festoon him around the chapel not her because it is not a 15 year old girl that you've murdered Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you have a fresh dead body and dermis dead beetles it is a is it a good fit or is it a bad fit how you clean that bone uh dermis that's skin and uh dead is dead uh beetles are bugs so dead skin bugs dead skin bugs on a dead body sounds like a good match to me put the beetles on the body there you go. I couldn't have said it better. Rylan is a firm. What are we supposed to say? Yes. Yes. Let's I'm say, saying yes. Let's say bone Bones. in. Bone in. Why don't we say bone in? Yeah. Bone in is yes. Bone out is no. I love it. Well, you boys are right to bone in because there's nothing for like for a fresh dead body like dermis dead beetles. They clean the meat right off. Perfect way to get your bones ready for presenting in your home chapel or, you know, any area do they eat living people or do they just eat dead people just the dead ones to my understanding i bet if you laid still enough they'd start chewing on you but i imagine you'd start to be like hey don't do that how long does this take is this a month uh two months a year to eat this body dylan i ryland i know me and all the fans are very glad you asked let's research it dermistead beetles (laughs) How long does it take for them to strip a corpse? Like piranhas, right? Yeah, because I've just got a couple days here. I I don't have much time to get rid of all this flesh of these monks whose bones I want to use to decorate my house. Right? You had this idea in a flash. I mean, my mom's coming into town. 
God would love for you to, if you mm-hmm. had a house made out of bones. Mom's coming into town. Let me fix this up right for him. Yes. But it has to be done ASAP. Right. Thank God that there is more than enough monk bones nearby and that I in no way have to murder homeless people nearby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So I haven't found how long it takes them to strip the flesh from bones, but I have found a video of them stripping the flesh from bones. <laughs> Let's watch that. Okay. I'm looking at jakesbones.com and this kid, man. No, you can't look keeper. at that. I want everyone, oh my god, I want everybody to go to jakesbones.com because that kid is a sweet little white boy and my god does he love bones. It's sort of like watching ants make an anthill in your little ant farm, but mm-hmm. instead they're ki- they're eating something. Did you ever watch that fast so. word video of an ant eating or an ant colony eating a gecko? Uh, no. Oh, they tear <laughs> it to the never, bone. It's pretty great. Never stuff. watched that one. Oh man, I'm missing out on these bugs. Watching these beetles in an owl's eye socket is bothering me. I thought it would bother me, but there's something about it that gives me tranquility in my heart so i meant to take us through all different kinds of bone stripping uh materials bone house gross disgusting and i hate it It, nothing about it it's inviting i do think about like would i be okay with what if you took bone house and put it in a bone melter and i melted all those bones into like a block of bone and then i made other things out of bones i could have like bone chair or like what if bone house what if bone house but 3d print bone house Mm. and it's like house shaped bone house still made of bones because we got a lot of those lying around they need to go somewhere it's kind of wasteful i guess to not do anything with your bones but i don't want the face of a former franciscan monk staring at me while i pour my cereal in the morning i just want to do it on a countertop made of 3d printed bones yeah i like bones and skulls and stuff but not real ones like my sister she used to have this bong that was made from a monkey skull Uh. and i found that very disturbing to smoke out of a living being's head so uh, i was like oh but if it had been just a fake monkey skull i would have been like oh that's cool is your sister a purveyor of like voodoo magic (laughs) (laughs) she sounds like a sorceress i think she got this when we went to central america once i i don't remember oh no put it back (laughs) how come every time we go to have tea with your sister we have to ride a canoe through a swamp (laughs) yeah and there's always those whispers that like one of us hears but the rest of us don't <laughs> she's super into home security and that includes <laughs> whispering trees and swamps so yeah it's home security for you i'd really appreciate it if she stopped showing me illustrations she drew of me dying in really specific <laughs> context but it seems obvious to me that Live in a bone house is a limit for you guys. No. And it doesn't matter what material the flesh is. I feel like we're all going to say, well, let me have my little beetles have a bite, you know, because I love them. So I think it's a live it, live it, live it, triple live it for all of us. I mean, no. we can spend more time on the segment. No. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. No. This is disgusting and I disapprove. It's a super leave it. All right, guys, I come to you with the story of two men. The first man, Othniel Charles Marsh. Sounds like a geek. 
know. Like they meant to call him Nathaniel, but they called him Othniel. I don't know what's up with that, but I'm going to call him Marsh, all right? He was born in New York. And although his immediate family wasn't very wealthy, he had a wealthy uncle, George Peabody. Maybe you heard of him? The Peabody Award? That, <gasps> What's that is award based for? off this dude. Uh, I don't know. Writing? Books? Books writing? <laughs> I've heard it before. I have to look it up really because know. we're going we're gonna, to, people aren't going to be able to pay attention if we it's got best, that wrong. Best music video. Peabody is the best music video. Honor the most powerful, enlightening, invigorating stories in television radio and online media that's very broad okay that's what it is yeah and so he was a wealthy dude he was a known philanthropist i guess that he gave out money and he was marsh's uncle so with his uncle's help marsh went to yale and what did he decide to study paleontology Mm. he was a quiet methodical man there's another man, Edward Drinker Cope. Gonna call him Cope. He was born wait, to wait, a wealthy. Wait, 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 wait. His name is Drinker Cope. <laughs> yes. So yes. he's he's a he's a Cope. He's a member of the Cope family, and he is Drinker of the Cope family. <laughs> Not yes. Coke with a K with a P, right, Ryland? <laughs> yeah, but he know, needs to learn how to cope, and he's a drinker, so drinker I cope. think that's what Cam's getting at. It's, it's just an interesting, it's a what was on the mind of the parents when they named this kid kind of thing, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> yeah. Cope, he was born into a wealthy family in Philadelphia. He was a child prodigy with little formal scientific training, but he published his first scientific paper at the age of 19. And he also loved paleontology. He was a passionate man with quite a temper. And so both of these guys, they're both bone lovers. They love these fucking bones, okay? And they meet up Hell yeah, in, bone uh, house, dog. Yeah! <laughs> they meet up in Berlin in 1864, and they're like, oh my god, you, you're cool. I love bones. You're a bone. I'm a bone. We're bones <laughs> together, dog. And they liked each other, each other so much, they even decided to name species after each other. The, cute. Uh, yeah, it was, it was like such a cool cute couple but then (laughs) something happened okay so it's kind of iffy on when exactly this thing started but uh, it might have been when marsh bribed some workers to send him fossils instead of cope and cope found out and was mad at marsh (gasps) but some historians claim it was in 1868 when the bone wars truly erupted okay so cope now he got these dylan you know a lot about gay culture. Does that sound right? Is 1816 when the bone wars erupted? You know, we've looked at the radiology and, uh, I mean, the radioactivity. We've looked at the carbon sediment. It, it's hard to pinpoint, but I think Ryland's on the right track. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Ryland, take it away. Cope, uh, he got a set of bones from a man in Kansas, and he was like, oh. Now, hold this, on. This... Dylan, you ever get a set of bones from a man in Kansas? <laughs> you, you know what? I'm, I'm trying, and I'm looking at the radiology, 
and the carbon, but it's hard to tell which men come from where. There are uh, so point. many, and they're so fast. Good so. point. Good point. Rylan, take it away. And Cope was like, whoa, this is a cool dinosaur. I ain't seen one like this. I'm going to name this uh, an Elasmosaurus, okay? And uh, he's like, you know what? I bet this Elasmosaurus, I bet it looks like, you know, lizards nowadays. It had a long tail. And so uh, he put the skeleton together. And uh, then Marsh heard about this and he was like, oh, my God, Cope is such an idiot. That's not a tail, dude. That's a neck. And he uh. comes in to Cope's public display of the Elasmosaurus <sighs> and he's like, yo, Cope. The head's on the wrong end, idiot. Oh. <laughs> and so Cope is completely humiliated. He has to run around and buy all the copies of his papers that he gave out to people and burn them all <laughs> to try to destroy his embarrassment because he put the head on the butt just as Dang. you do in the Bone Wars. You always do that in the Bone Wars. Can't hit now, delete tweet. You have to run around and buy all your papers. That's rough. Now, Dylan, have you ever had somebody run into a room where you, you're doing an exhibit and they tell you you got the hit on the butt and now you have to run around and buy all the copies? Has that ever happened to you as a professional? Not yet. Normally people walk in and say, Dylan, you've got the head on the butt. And then they pause and then they go, nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. This this incident, which we'll call the headbutt incident, uh, that that's where Marsh and Cope really stopped being friends and they started hating each other. And as the 1870s rolled in, there were many fossils being discovered in the American West. Uh, a school teacher in Colorado named Arthur Lakes. He was out on a hike and he stumbled upon some strange bones. His and name he knew is, about Marsh. His name is Arthur Lace, right? Lakes. Lakes. With a K. I yeah. don't know any people named Lake, right? First name Lake, you don't know any? So we can trust this guy. This guy we can trust. <laughs> okay. Yes. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Just want to be sure. Okay. And so he found some of these strange bones and he sent samples to Marsh, but it was taking Marsh a while to reply. So he uh, sent other samples to cope as well Ooh. because he was like, oh, well, this guy's not coming. But then Marsh, he's like, oh, oh, uh, I'm going to send you $100. Just keep this discovery a secret. Don't tell anybody you found any bones, okay? Oh. But it was too late. Cope already knew, dude. So shit Dang. was all fucked up. You know what I'm saying? And then they quickly became known as two huge competing forces. So anyone that found any fossils anywhere would try to use one against the other to try try to get the best prices that they could uh, uh. like in Como Bluff Wyoming uh, some railroad workers found some bones and they were like yo Marsh um, we got some bones and we want to sell them to you but Cope he's he's really giving us these really good prices so maybe Marsh you want to give uh. us some more when they had not even talked to Cope at all oh. <laughs> they were just totally pulling his leg and so Marsh agreed to their deal and it was like yeah I'll do it as long as you only give your bones to me I'm the bone lover here okay not not cope and then cope found out hey, about Ryland, this and he's talking about it in the correct term for the period <laughs> they would say i'm your boner you have no boner but me yes yes then cope found out and he was like i'd oh, like no, to be I'm your gonna... boner 
uh, he he came down and he tried to be the boner for these railroad guys, but they were like, no, nah, we're already getting good money. So Cope, well, we already got a great boner. We wake up with it every morning. Yes. And but Cope decided, oh, uh, well, then how about we just steal the bones? So they decide to go in and they're stealing bones and sneaking in and stealing as many bones as they can. So you're saying oh. you have a boner, you got your own boner, and you're going to go grab somebody else's boner material? That's crazy. <laughs> it it really it was it was crazy. It was crazy. And Marsh, he kept paying these railroad guys. He was getting his money from his uncle and from Yale. He worked for Yale now. So he had to rely on them for money and he couldn't be very consistent with the payments so one of the railroad workers flipped around to make cope his boner so cope became the railroad workers boner too and it was it was all downhill from there that was the beginning of years of bribery spying stealing fossils if they found a fossil that they couldn't secure and make sure that the other person didn't get it they would destroy the fossil because they didn't want anyone to have the fossil if they couldn't have it yes and uh there was even one time when they had sites next to each other cope and marsh and the workers at the sites stopped digging so that they could throw rocks at each other to make sure <laughs> they were just like hey you cope marsh sucks and just throwing rocks at each other but because they were trying to go as quickly as possible and try to prevent the other person from getting anything done they were making so many mistakes like they oh. were naming dinosaurs that had already been discovered marsh <laughs> just like cope with the elasmosaurus he put the wrong head on the wrong dinosaur it was supposed to be an apatosaurus but he decided to call it something new aka the brontosaurus have you ever heard of this dinosaur yes I've seen this before was before time <laughs> yes of course everybody's heard of the brontosaurus and it's he it arises out of this fucking mistake by Marsh of putting the wrong skull on the wrong dinosaur. And it's something that has fucked up paleontology for years and years since. So I feel like I've seen them in modern day with those names used interchangeably. Yes. Yes. And Marsh, uh, he found horns uh, from a dinosaur and they didn't know what a triceratops was. So they were like, Oh, there must've been some bison dinosaurs i guess they just uh, were bison alongside these <laughs> reptiles yeah they were just fucking up all over the place and by the time it got to the 1880s marsh was in the lead he was winning cope was falling behind marsh was getting all the recognition he's the bigger boner yes he was the biggest boner of the land he had yale supporting him he had his uncle george peabody supporting him so he could afford more workers oh, well, if your if your uncle has to hold up your boner <laughs> i mean you know you've arrived he was even hired as head of the u.s geological survey for the federal government but then congress decided to do an investigation <gasps> of the u.s geological survey and cope was like this is my chance and for years he had been keeping a log of every mistake oh Marsh had ever my made. god <laughs> of, oh, of all the times he had stolen a bone of all the times he had done anything wrong and he went to the newspaper 
and was like, hey, how about you guys just publish this? So they put it in the newspaper <gasps> and Marsh lost his job as a result because Cope Whoa. just ratted him out. But then Marsh came back and did the same thing to Cope. Uh. And Marsh was like, you've done all these shitty things too. <sighs> so Marsh lost his job. And then even though like Marsh was talking shit too, Cope was still kind of climbing the ladder filling the vacuum that marsh had left when he got fired but he got sick and he had to give up his pursuit and so both of them they all wasted all their money and ended their lives and ruined uh but before his death cope challenged marsh one last time and he was like hey i want you guys when i die to dissect my brain (sighs) And I want you to measure and see how big it is because I'm sure it's bigger than Marsh's. Oh my God. Talk about a boner competition. You know, you're talking to a couple boners, so they got to pull out the fucking ruler. Marsh turned down the the competition. He he didn't want to have his brain dissected, but they still have. Well, he was still alive. Well, so that's a, that's a even big part after of that death, challenge. Even it's after like, death. Hey, I died, so why don't you cut your brain open and let's measure him, buddy. Let's have this out once and for all. But Cope's head still exists in storage at the University of Philadelphia. So it's still waiting in case Marsh wants to come back and ever get his brain measured. It's there. Cope is ready. If he can ever get his boner up again, Mm -hmm. then... Marsh is waiting. Park is waiting. What's the names? Marsh. Marsh and Cope. Marsh and Cope. Cope and Marsh. <laughs> so immediately, my first reaction is to the story. Obviously, there's a lot of human error, greed, and myopathy happening here. But they are both in competition for fossils from contacts in railroad company right these people laying down railroad lines yeah that was in coma bluffs that's who discovered the bones there yeah so what that says to me though is that these guys can't finance their own excavations so how do you get a excavation financed well it's already happening it's railroad companies it sounds like these guys were fighting over rail railroad connections where if they had just been financed as an actual science i don't think they'd compete compete so much because they'd be able to actually do the work but can you imagine like like we have to podcast but can you imagine if we had to podcast by making connections in the railroad who used the official podcast radio system Mm -hmm. to communicate railroad shit to each other and we had to like you know hey give me an hour on that to talk about lifestyles because people need to know like i we would get cutthroat oh yeah ourselves for sure for sure and i mean even without railroads like there's only a certain number of fossils that exist you know it's not like trees where you can just grow another one but i mean what this is saying to me because like uh, trees you can go out and find but it's expensive to go out and dig up a bunch of fucking dirt especially like Mm -hmm. railroads go for miles and miles yeah you cannot get where where, especially before people even believe dinosaurs exist who's gonna give you a grant to go dig up a whole bunch of fucking dirt and most of it's going to be nothing some of it's going to be boners Mm -hmm. and everyone's going to be real happy when they unzip the dirt and find a boner in there everyone's like hey look at this big old boner i'm so excited but that only happens once in a while dylan you can speak to this right uh 
No, I can't relate. I've never been into paleontology. But I do understand the sentiment. Yeah, it's a costly, time-consuming endeavor. And I guess what makes me the most mad about it is that we would have had all these other... I can't I can't get over the fact that we would have had all these new dinosaur models that potentially got lost to greed and corruption when they were breaking those bones out of selfishness, out of greed. Like everyone was so antsy to see like the new cope, the new marsh, like this, this dinosaur has got an edge to edge screen. This one's got uh, 512 gigabytes. They got the ichthyosaur XS max. Like I can't, I can't, I can't fathom. And it makes me really upset because I want those new dinosaur models. They were just rolling out new ones all the time. And yeah, like to be fair, they did, they totally destroyed some fossils, but they found so many. Sure. Like uh, that maybe wouldn't have been found otherwise. And they made up so many more. That's the thing, Dylan. You want Pokemon? These are Legos that don't fit together, and they're making up fantastical new creatures all the yeah. time. Like you should really thank Copen Marsh for inventing Pokemon. I should. You're I should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Rylan, that's a good point. They. This is like that age old question of like, does does greed and like capitalism in a competitive market drive innovation or does it mm. lead to people breaking dinosaurs in half right. and pausing to throw yeah. rocks at each other's dinosaurs? <laughs> I don't I don't know if I think this is a good story or a live it story or a leave it story. I do like the idea of like Mickey playing Marsh and Donald playing Cope. I think that it could be a good 15 minute little Looney Tune, but I'm just still so upset at all the potential Pokemons that we lost. Yeah, HBO was going to make this into a movie. Well, these goofy cartoon Bone Wars, while it is upsetting, I do like, I'm a big fan of the existing set of dinosaurs we have. It might just be the original Mm -hmm. 151 and we'll never be able to know what dinosaurs came after that in uh, dinosaur silver, dinosaur gold. But I think it's a silly tale. I'm satisfied every time I go to my natural history museum, it's going to be a livid from your dear old Dill. Dylan's living the bone wars. Cam, are you living or leaving the bone wars? Let me tell you, Ryland, I lived the bone wars... I was captured in a mud flow, and then the nutrients of my body was encased in that mud flow, which slowly sapped out the biological matter and replaced it with rock forms, leaving what is actually a rock structure, but looks like a biological form. It's what's called a fossil. I've lived it so much, I died in it, and now I'm in a museum. I say, live it. Yeah, for me, I definitely just have to live this because I love the idea of somebody rearranging my skeleton and putting my head on my butt and thinking that's how it's supposed to be. (laughs) And we just walk into the room where the Ryland exhibit is and we go, (laughs) okay, and we walk out. (laughs) Live it. Live it. All right. Well, fellas, this is Bone Town. We've almost wrapped our journey here in Bone Town, and it's time to get our... Well, I guess we, we had a one-way ticket to Bone Town, so we're going to have to buy another one. We did not spring for that round-trip ticket to Bone I Town. I can't afford it. <laughs> I can't afford to leave Bone Town. <laughs> Second Bone Town. Well, while you're here, Ryland, why don't you take a load off, sit down right there, because I have another installment of Everyone is Gay Skeleton Edition. Whoa, yes. So it seems 
seems that one of the world's favorite traditions is ripping people out of the closet, whether they're ready or not. So in continuation of this beautiful and storied national pastime, scientists have taken to playing the are they or aren't they game with folks who've been dead for thousands <laughs> of years. Yay! Yay! Take, for example, my friends, the two maidens from Pompeii. Casts taken from the eruption site show two beings who, in their final moments, were immortalized in a close embrace when the lava cooled and hardened, and one of the maiden's heads is resting on the other's chest while they clung to one another. However, last year, DNA tests revealed that the two maidens were chromosomally male. So naturally, the scientific community jumped to the next logical conclusion. Y'all, if two dudes are getting burned alive while their entire city and everyone they ever knew are, are set on fire in an agonizing storm of flames and terror, and they instinctively embrace one another right before they're reduced to a smoldering pile of ash, that's pretty gay, right? Bros are the skeletons gay. 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 Yep. Science seemed to say yes, gay. homo. It's a big gay from Kent. <laughs> Yeah, homo. Especially, I, I have to look at the exact number, but the original caustic flow of gas that came out of this volcano, like there is, before all lava flow comes out of Pompeii, it pops with a gas zit of hot rock dust and poisonous gases that hits Pompeii at like several hundred miles per hour I want to say or something like that it's literally like it is an explosion that hit that town so if you imagine if I suddenly went on the recording you guys little jump like if Dylan was in the room recording me I might nuzzle my head into his breasts just from like if you shot a gun in the room right now I'm gonna jump into Dylan's boobs because it's scary and now I'm gay fine because he's beautiful but what am I like for all of time in a history museum you gonna put my bones there come on if you were straight your whole life cam and then you jump into my boobs right as you die you're gay for eternity <laughs> just like the Hassan Lu lovers <laughs> two skeletons found in an Iranian burial site dating back to 800 BC the two skeletons lie next to one another another with one skeleton's hand posed in a gentle caress on the other skeleton's face scientists are able to use osteological reference points like pelvic shape being deeper or more flat hip bones being more or less flared and measuring the sciatic notch to determine that indeed one of the skeletons belonged to a male-bodied person while the other is less clear but errs on the side of being male-bodied so the facts is we got two dude skeletons and one of them is touching the other's face seems pretty spicy to me fellas are these skeletons gay <laughs> Sounds like some gay skeleton. That's what I think. All right. How about my friend, the gay caveman from the Czech Republic? Discovered in 2011, this gay skeleton broke all the rules, baby. Customarily, early humans from this period around 30,000 years ago were buried on their left side facing east and surrounded by jewelry, small pets, and a special egg-shaped pot at their feet if they were a woman. Men were buried on their right side facing west, surrounded by their tools and assorted hunting weapons. This human, however, was buried on their left side, like a woman, facing west, like a dude skeleton. They also didn't have any weapons or tools with them and had an egg-shaped <laughs> pot placed at their feet, which, as we all know, is a chick thing, bro. So archaeologists were like, this skeleton <laughs> is gay as heck. Now I know what you're thinking. Dylan, that skeleton ain't gay. 
We've got extensive documentation for the existence of third gender or gender non-conforming beings stretching back to the beginning of time. What about the stone tablets that lay out an ancient Sumerian creation myth and the gender nondescript beings who were not only existed then but exalted as special religious figures, huh, Dylan? What about that? What about the inscribed pottery shards from Middle Kingdom Egypt in what is now modern-day Luxor that lists three human genders, huh, Dylan? What about the countless references we find in ancient Indic cultures that span three major religions, Hindu Jainism and Buddhism that recognize a third gender and Sanskrit texts that suggest third gender individuals were well known throughout fourth century India or the words handed down from Buddha himself, which declares that there are in fact four genders, huh Dylan? What about that? What about the creation myth outlined in Plato's Symposium in which Aristophanes acknowledges a society in which three genders, men, women, and androgynous people exist, huh? Dylan? What about ancient Israel that acknowledged six genders, Zakar, Nikiva, Androgynos, Tum-tum, Elanot, and Saris. What about that, Dylan, huh? What about ancient Mesoamerica, in which Maya, Olmec, Aztec, and even the Incan cultures to the south all recognized third gender figures and pretty much unanimously highly revered them before white Christians showed up and murdered everyone? What about the fact that you can't really make a call about whether someone's gay or straight or lesbian or trans or any of the other plethora of sexual identities or gender expressions that exist out there unless that person verbally tells you, or if they create a beautiful, ornate pot complete with illustrations of them engaging in intercourse with their desired partner while a speech bubble comes out that says, Hi, my name's Derek and I'm a non-binary pansexual cave person who wants to be buried with my Tamagotchi with my ankles behind my head my ass cheeks pointing at the fucking sun. Huh, Dylan, what about that? (laughs) To that I say... That skeleton's pretty gay, right? (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys feel pretty confident you could identify a gay skeleton, live it or leave it? I feel like you aren't giving enough credit to these paleontologists, these these researchers that are running around as fast as they can, destroying what they can't hold on to, throwing rocks at their enemies, and then putting the bone head on their bone butt, and then saying, oh yeah, that one's gay for sure. I think they are the ones that fucking know this stuff and if they say it's gay it must be gay i'm just kidding no i gotta I switch mine to, to rylan's that's a, that sounds like a <laughs> recipe for gaydar i when i was researching this segment i thought it was wild that they could just tell if a skeleton was like a male or a female based on like hip shapes and stuff i wonder that if there's this mm-hmm. is huge man I I wonder if there's like skeletal osteo evidence of people's sexual orientation. Like I feel like I've heard gays typically have like this spur on the back of their heel that they use for self defense, and like that's one way to tell yes. someone's if yes. skeleton's that's, gay. I've heard that. That's why gays are always getting into cockfights. Lesbians <laughs> tend to have a sixth finger, which mm-hmm. you know I think I've you want that. that if you're I've seen that. if you're a lesbian mm-hmm. on the whole. What I am surprised about is like, why are skeletons touching and making out with one another in their burial sites? Like all of these photos of skeletons found embracing in their tombs. Just because you get old doesn't mean you lose your passion, you know? This is Life Pile Podcast, the only podcast whose bones is hollow to allow for flight. We want to thank aliens for leaving their bones here. We want to thank Bones for having a bunch of marijuana, which is tasty to slurp up. We want to thank Scott 
Davis for doing the music for our show. And if you guys want to be part of the show, you can call us at 720-663-8163 and you could be our next uh, mystery eater, Skeeter. Talk about the bones that fell in your mouth. I, I want to hear oh. it. Or you can do what Dylan says. Ooh, that's right. We've got an Instagram. We've got a Twitter, a Facebook, Tumblr. They're all at Lifepile Show. Don't be afraid to interact with us on there. We love when you guys write in. We love when you guys give us voicemails. It's a fun time had by all. If you've been thinking about it, oh, I really want to submit to Lifepile, but I don't know. I feel like they're going to judge me for liking to eat hepatitis sandwiches. There's really no submission you could make that would be more crazy than the things we've received from Skeeter, and he is now our most favorite person on the show. Sorry, Gabe. So send him in, BB. If you want to catch me this week, I will be hanging out with Jake and all his bones. He's showing me his dermatid beetle collection and I have a name for each one of them already and they're on an Excel spreadsheet and I've got some potential names in column B of what I'm going to name their thousands of children. So come on down and don't stay too still because the beetles will start to eat you if they think you're a corpse at Jake's Bones house. Why does this little white kid like bones so much? (laughs) I hope I don't find out. Dylan, where can we catch you this week? This week you would find a lonely stranger strolling up the main drag in Bone Town. He's got his poncho on and his hat low and he's jingling his tin cup saying money to get out of Bone Town. <laughs> Anything helps. I'm trying to get back home. I gotta leave Bone Town. Drop a nickel in the bucket if you're feeling generous. And if you want to find me this week, I'm going to be heading to the museum. And you know what I'm going to be mm-hmm. doing? Playing paleontologists oh. and just fucking up every skeleton <laughs> I can get my hands on. So if you can't catch me there, catch me at the jail. Uh, that's where you can find me. Thanks, guys. This is Life Pile. Light your life on fire. <laughs> Life pile.